0: This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit slash Trek FM. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org.
1: Hi, this is Marina Sardis, Deanna Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. The Earl Grey hot. Welcome, listeners, to another cup of Earl Grey. I'm your host, Joe Keegan, and as usual, joined with me today is the Amy Nelson.
0: (gasps) The Amy Nelson. Wow. The (laughs) Amy
1: Nelson. I know if there was ever an adjective to describe Amy, it's the... One and only Amy Nelson. Hi, Joe. How are you today?
0: Doing good. Uh, still by myself. All by myself.
1: By myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we sing that in two different keys <laughs> with two different time signatures. Oh, that's funny. Uh, we, yeah, I'm glad we're not employed as no, singers because yeah. it would be terrible. Uh, yeah, things are. Still the same here. It's very, and you're very strange. On
0: vacation, spring break.
1: Couldn't say vacation because that implies that I'm going yeah. away somewhere. The furthest I've been is like two miles away to walk the dogs. Yeah. So. You know
0: what popped up in my Facebook feed? You know how they do? Look back on the years. And a year ago this week, I was in mm-hmm. New York City visiting the city and visiting with my awesome, lovely friend, Chris Littlefield and Las Marquez and uh, Patrick Devlin, all my Trek buddies.
1: Um, oh. I know.
0: Good times. And I just, I love having Trek friends around the world. It's I
1: know. Great. And you've got some yes, in Scotland now, nice, so you can when this is all over, you can come and visit. Oh, I will be. But do you know what? We'll get back to those those days again in the future. Yes. When we can all meet up and have fun together and stay up far too late for <laughs> our age. <laughs> That's
0: the
1: truth. Um, mm-hmm. Did you hear that San Diego Comic-Con had officially been cancelled, and that is the week before STLV?
0: Yeah, it's two weeks, and yeah, it got cancelled. Yeah. Oh, is
1: it two weeks? Okay.
0: I don't mm. know how I feel about it, so I'm not... I'm worried that STLV is not going to happen. This is my first time worrying. Everyone's like, oh, it's not going to happen. I said, yes, it is. It's in August. But Mm -hmm. with SDCC being canceled, I don't know.
1: Do you know what? See if it does get canceled. Say proper canceled and they say, we'll just do do it August 2021. We'll just have to make sure it's the best convention we've ever had because we won't I've seen all our Star Trek friends for two years, so we'll just we'll raise the roof off the rail properly. Well, and
0: I'm hoping to come out to you know Star Trek destination, but that's in
1: that's in November November this year. year. Yes, it's usually October, but they moved it to November and they moved it to London.
0: So I'm hoping by November things are going to be okay.
1: I honestly don't know. I seriously, I think this is we're in this for the long haul.
0: Well, and it sounds like that it's going to come in waves, you know. So it's, it may get better for the summer, and then it might start up again. I mean, I don't know. There's so many yeah. theories going around, but it's it's sad because I love to travel, it and it's it's been killing me.
1: Yeah, I know how much you love to travel. <laughs> Just look at who's when Amy's been on Earl Grey, <laughs> and like there's big chunks of. Or emailless <laughs> episodes. Anyway, can I pick a bone oh, with please, you, please? Yes. It's not. It's not really to do with you. It's more to do with that silly website that you used last time to get those American phrases oh, yeah. from. I googled, bought the yeah. farm, and it does mean to die. Oh! And you said, "Oh no, it's to move out of town and buy a farm." <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. That's nonsense. Nonsense at LVA.
0: Okay, well I will blame that on the <laughs> the website. You know, and I say I guess I have heard that.
1: Okay. We have some Babel conference feedback from Earl Grey three twenty when when we were talking about birthright with our friend Pierre Larocco. Amy, I'm going to take okay. it away. If that's okay. <laughs> JJ Becker says, great episode. It occurred to me while listening that there might be some comparisons to be drawn between Sung hiding close to self-discovery within Data's dreams and the closing Soji's dreams that helped lead her home. Thank you for your comment, JJ. You might very well be right. You know if you've listened to Earl Grey ever recently, you know that I'm not the biggest fan of Picard. So, Amy, what do you think about this link between Soji's Dreams and Data's Dreams? No, I think
0: it's a really nice tie-in because when Data, you know, was activated and he, like, stole the Enterprise to go back home in Brother's, You know, that was sort of Mm -hmm. that sub-program that Soong wrote. And this Mm -hmm. dream sequence is another sub-program that Soong wrote. So I like that tie-in to um, Picard with Soji and with Dodge. And think about Dodge had this underlying feeling that she could trust Picard. Like that had to have been you know, the sub program that soon wrote, and we know obviously from NextGen that he likes writing these sub programs. So I really appreciate the mm-hmm. tie in. Thanks JJ. Well, we have Jason Myers who writes in, I believe that if one puts stock into their dreams, your subconscious will put slash find more meaning into the dreams. If you like me think dreams are random neurons firing, then you probably don't even remember them. So I happen to agree, I think, um, because maybe this is a chicken and an egg type of thing. Like, you know, do you put stock in your dreams and therefore you remember them and they have meaning or do your dreams have meaning? Mm -hmm. Therefore you put stock into them and you remember them. I don't know. Interesting thought there.
1: Mm, That is because I found that if I'm interested in something, then I'm more likely to remember about it. So, case in point, Star Trek. I remember the most meaningless little tidbits of information from Star Trek that is no use to anybody. But when it comes to kind of educational and pedagogical theories, I'm like, it totally bores the living daylights out of me. So I don't remember a word of it. Yeah, if you believe something, you're more likely to remember it. And if you believe in the power of dreams, you're more likely to remember Mm. them. That's an interesting point. Well, you and I both kind of agreed that we had a similar feeling about dreams; that they kind of helped us in some way. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's you know one way for your brain to comprehend and sort of download, but Mm -hmm. it's a way to sort of think through problems or situations that maybe you might have, you know, in random, yeah.
1: Yes. Wake up and get a divorce, (laughs) that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Check. Done that.
1: cool. Uh okay, Michael Bentley says a very thoughtful discussion especially about Worf's character and the idealization of Klingon culture which as you said is developed further in DS9 where he eventually learns to relax just a little. But also the way he helped the Klingons to value their lost traditions and their pride as a people. Joe your Klingon singing was amazing.
0: It was there were a lot of comments and it was very beautiful.
1: Joe. I've never heard my singing being described as beautiful before, so that means a lot. It helped that I was playing the video alongside oh. it through my headphones. It wasn't from memory.
0: Oh, the curtain has been pulled back. Okay. It's parrot fashion. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly.
0: That no, was really good. And thank you for listening to the end. Hashtag still listening. Yeah. Indeed. So we have Vera Bible. Hi, Vera. Hi, Vera. Says, Joe Keegan, you did a great job with the American slang quiz. I'm an American who has been living in London for a few years and still want to call trousers pants. Amy Nelson, I definitely agree with you about not being able to work without my place being clean. I can't concentrate in a dirty apartment. This was an enjoyable episode and it will definitely give me more to think about on my next rewatch. Well, Vera, thank you so much for your comment and Yeah, I would have a hard time calling pants trousers, for sure.
1: (laughs) It's that kind of strange thing. I suppose you being American, you're not exposed to British TV so much. But me being, let's call myself British for the moment, um, we're exposed to American TV. So all the phrases like the yard, the faucet, pants, we kind of intuitively know how to translate Mm -hmm. them and know what they mean. But if you watch some British TV, you'd be like, "What are they saying? What does that mean?" Kind of thing. <laughs> I did not know Vera Bible lived in London. No, I didn't either. Does she, I wonder if she goes to destination. Star Trek Vera,
0: now. we will have to get together.
1: We will and have a drink at the bar. Nice. Okay. Joshua Devries says, "All right. So for all of you trapped in quarantine, watch the '80s version of V. There was a remake that I think Sci-Fi Channel did in the early 2000s, starring Marina Bakhirin." which I can't help but say Macarena Bacarena. That's what we call her in our household, because it's funny. Um, anyway, Marina Bacarin, which was okay, but the ver- original version is better. It was a big deal when it first came out, but it's sort of drifted into cult status in the years since then, but it's fun. It is. It's it's amazing. My mum and dad used to let us stay up really late. I think it was on, on a Sunday night, about 11 oh. o'clock. And it was, it was in the 80s, so I was barely 10 years old, and he used to let us stay up and watch it.
0: All right. Well, another vote for V. Well, I'll put it on my list. We'll see if it gets done.
1: So today, listeners, we're going to continue our series on deleted scenes, this time with season six, if we can get through it, because there are literally not hundreds, but I want to say hundreds, because I was watching them for a good long while. There's at
0: least 47.
1: Um (laughs) At least 47, yes, indeed. Um, So we're going to start off with Time's Arrow Part 2, which was episode 2, no, episode 1. Episode 1. In season 6, that's right, of course. And this is scenes 10 and 11. Back in the 19th century San Francisco, Beverly tries to cope with ancient medicine and ancient attitudes. Her shipmates are increasingly concerned about the mysterious invaders. So there's a couple of wee bits in this, Amy. What did you think of both of them?
0: Well, it was interesting, uh, as the little synopsis says, like ancient attitudes, because Beverly Crusher Mm. was trying to help. Well, maybe we could try this. And the doctor's like, nurse, just do what I say. This man is not worth saving. And oh, my gosh, just how he displaced her and didn't even consider her recommendations was shocking but very of the time
1: because yeah, she was a, a woman and therefore a nurse yeah. and he was a man and therefore a doctor yeah. and it's just that gender stereotype which we still fight with today yeah Look at the problem with STEM in schools and trying to get girls to still choose STEM subjects. It's an uphill battle some of the times. Um, Yeah. He obviously didn't know that she was chief of Starfleet Medical for a year. (laughs)
0: Obviously not.
1: (laughs) Seriously. And she had made a good suggestion. Have you tried, what was it, uh, an alkaline saline solution? Yeah. Clearly that would have helped him. Probably saved his life. Yeah,
0: probably. But he was out, he's too far gone. We're not even going to try. like, oh my gosh.
1: Do you know what, for all its sexism, sexism that was implied with the scene, I think I'd still keep it in that little bit.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And then it went into where they were talking to another patient. It was Troy and Geordie. And mm-hmm. the uh, patient was saying, the doctors don't care that we are in pain. And I thought that needed mm-hmm. to be in there as well because it sort of gives the idea that these doctors really have no idea. What's going on?
1: Exactly. And I think that one patient was talking about the doctor that came in and only saw one patient. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if that was the, the Davidian doctors or like the doctors are so busy, they just came in and saw one patient.
0: Yeah, I thought it was the Davidian doctor and that yeah, it was yeah, another that's... clue to the Davidians. Mm. Yeah.
1: And then there was a little tiny... Kinda pointless bit between Riker and Picard, where Riker is the police officer and Picard walks up to him out in the street and says Picard says, Is this gonna is this permanent? And Riker says, Yeah, the entrance is just round the corner some words to that effect. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know why that was even...
0: Yeah, it sounded like he was trying to keep the facade up, that he was a police officer helping someone to find their way. And it's like, well, there it is around the corner. And then...
1: Yeah, Yeah, so
0: I would have cut that for sure. But I would have kept in the scene with Beverly and Troy and Jordy.
1: Yes, definitely. I, I agree with you there. Cool, that's decided then. We will email... Paramount immediately, or CBS, or whoever now owns it. Yeah. So the next episode is episode four, Relics, where we see James Dohan back reprising the role of Scotty. Amy, do you want to tell us what this little deleted scene was about? Yeah,
0: Scotty feels sorry for himself because he doesn't fit in the world of the 24th century, and Troy tries to help but only manages to make things worse, which I think is a very bad description because watching the deleted scene, I would totally have kept this in. I mean... Because she goes in uh, to Scotty's quarters to say, you know, well, how can I help you? And I think there is a great dialogue between them. And she asks him, and she asks him, well, how do you feel? And he's like, how do I feel? And she's like, well, are you bewildered, confused? You know, it's got to be difficult, you know, coming into this time, and. What I like about it is that Troy did the exact same thing with the frozen people in the neutral zone because she helped um that lady find her her progenitors, the ones that come after her. And you know, it was very it was a success cuz the lady, you know, found her great 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 whatever grandson. Um and so I think there was definite some really good counseling going on here and mm-hmm. you know Scotty was just like Whoa. Oh, so you're a psychologist and totally dismisses her. And I also like the fact that we get that the counselors have been put on starships uh, for the past 40 years and sort of the reason behind it and why it's necessary. And so I would, of course, keep this scene in.
1: I would too. I like Troy here. I think it would have been better if he got back to his quarters and he was so frustrated that he broke a table (laughs) and then Troy arrived. That would have like that would have made it perfect I Troy, Um, yes. (laughs) Exactly. But (laughs) nevertheless she still arrives even though a table hasn't been broken. I find it really really strange that I know James Doohan was Canadian playing a Scottish guy in an American TV show but having a Scottish guy would never say diapers. Yes, you might argue that the English language has evolved in the 24th century, that that's just the word that everybody uses. American English became the default kind of universal English, but I just, a Scottish guy saying diapers, it's nappies.
0: Oh.
1: Babies wear nappies, okay. not diapers. Okay, So I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. I did. But the way he says it, and his weirdly fake you kind know, of
0: diapers.
1: Yeah, I'm so used to it. It's authentic now. Accent um, diapers. Yes, I don't also know how to describe Troy's hair. I like her season six hair, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to describe it. It's like a a tied back perm. Yes, that's become a mullet almost. <laughs> it's very beautiful. It yes, is. and I'm assuming that's a wig. Y- yes. Yeah, hairpiece. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, so that's quite a long extended scene that we get, that discussion between them. Yeah. And I don't quite... But She's very good doing her counseling thing that she does. But I don't quite get the fact that Scotty was a captain at this point. Yeah. So surely he understands the requirement for some kind of counseling.
0: Well, but back in the day, they just didn't even, you know, want to consider mental health. And so I like this addition because... You know, she explains, you know, that Starfleet recognized there's issues going on being, Mm -hmm. you know, on these away missions for extended time that you need to, you know, discuss your mental health. And so therefore we have a need of counselors.
1: Yeah, I still don't think it would have taken them like Starfleet that long to put counselors on board. Look at nowadays, like astronauts go through so much kind of psychometric testing and analysis and Fitness training that, to make sure that they're actually ready for the rigours of going mm-hmm. in, into outer space. So I like, think to wait, what, 200 and something years before we put counsellors on a ship seems a bit far well, fetched. Yeah. But, anyways, yes, I would agree with you. I would keep this in because I quite like this little scene. Yes.
0: And any scene with Troy is a good scene.
1: Of course, I know. We know how you're going to vote <laughs> with it this way. So we're going to jump to the next one, which is episode six through Q where we see Olivia Dabo play Amanda Rogers, who turns out is another Q. It's scene 10, deleted. The one Amanda is frightened that others will discover her newfound powers, but she clings to her dream of a normal life and a career in Starfleet. Also, she loves puppies.
0: And this one, so Deanna is coming back again. This is why people say that Deanna Troy is doesn't do anything, because all of her scenes are cut.
1: You might be right. yeah.
0: So she comes in with this adorable cute little puppy uh to try mm. and uh not only cheer Amanda up but to give her another you know job to do on the enterprise but what I loved about this is that Amanda goes through all of her like what could she do the possibilities and hopes and dreams that she has well Maybe I want to be a doctor. Well, maybe I want to be an engineer. And she just goes through all these things. Well, maybe I'll go into agriculture and start a farm. And, you know, and it just reminded me of all my students who have the rest of their lives ahead of them and that they want to, they can do mm-hmm. anything. The world is their oyster. And we get that with Amanda in this scene.
1: Yes, I'm keeping this purely for Henry.
0: Oh, I know. Henry
1: was that adorable puppy. So anytime there's a dog, I'm going to love it anyway. So that gets to stay just purely for that yeah. reason. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm very different to Amanda. Obviously, I'm not a Q, but I had very kind of set goals as a, a youngster, like very young. It's kind of your elementary school. Mm-hmm. Like I knew I wanted to go and study physics without really knowing what physics was. Mm. I kind of, I loved sciences and I loved astronomy, so I knew that was the way forward. Teaching didn't come into it until much later, but I knew I wanted to be some kind of scientist. Wow. So yeah, it was never a case of I could go and do this or that. There was a question about me doing music at some point, but that's more of a hobby than a career choice. Mm -hmm. I suppose that's a testament to the the future in the possibilities that are available. Yeah. If you're a good student. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would keep this scene just for that because the hope and the aspirations that she has and that she realizes that she can do anything and Troy agrees. You can do anything. Yeah.
1: yeah. But I can do anything better than you. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay. So the next episode is episode 12, Ship in a Bottle. And this is scene three that was deleted, or part of scene three. Amy, what was this about?
0: Yeah, so Barclay is in the holodeck talking to Moriarty and realizes that he actually has some discomfort when he gets taken offline. And I watched this scene, and I had to watch it twice because I thought this synopsis for that deleted scene, I wouldn't have picked up on that because he does a little twitch like when he tries to take him off the first time and he twitches and, and then he's like, well, yeah. I'll talk to Captain Picard and then shuts him off. But I don't know if we really needed that because I didn't get that he was in pain.
1: I got the the twitch, but it was sort of like you. I had to watch it twice because it was so brief mm-hmm. that didn't really add anything. What I didn't get was Barclay's, Barclay's surprise. Yeah. Barclay didn't act surprised in any way whatsoever. Yeah. Barclay just, I don't know, he just reacted like it was information. and Yeah. So maybe if Barclay had made more of it, it's like you felt discomfort. You're light in force fields. How could you possibly feel discomfort? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think we had agreed to delete this, but it doesn't.
0: Yeah. And then the next scene was scene eight where they're talking uh, specifically with Picard and Moriarty wants to you know, definitely get this physical existence, uh, but the Enterprise crew doesn't know yet what lengths he will go to leave the holodeck. And I just, I didn't really know if I would keep this in. It seemed like the only thing that we got was that uh, that he's at 221 Baker Street. And that I don't know, it seemed like it would be fine to keep deleted.
1: I think we know that anyway because 221B Baker Street is a famous address in London and if you go to London you might go and visit the home or the fictional home of Sherlock Holmes so if you're a Sherlock Holmes fan you know that. One thing I did think was interesting was something that Data says. Barclay says something before this and it says we have encountered species before that something something and I've watched it twice and I don't know what he says there. He kind of mumbles something, and I didn't pick up on those words. Yeah, like we've experienced
0: a different type of alien and that they... And
1: they can do what we're trying to do. I I took that from it. But then Data, I think this is maybe a wise decision to delete it for what Data says. He says your consciousness is computer generated and isn't something like capable of manipulating physical matter in the, the way that you want it to do. And I'm thinking, isn't Data's consciousness computer-generated? Exactly, right? But he can do everything that he says Moriarty can. So it seems a bit hypocritical. Yeah. So I think we're agreed this needs to stay deleted. Stay deleted. But kind of interesting. I'm kind of glad it is a deleted scene. Yeah. And I got to see it. Hmm, Interesting. So that was shipping a bottle. Yeah. So we're deleting both of those scenes. Okay, good. Glad we're agreed. Let's move on to... Episode 14, which is one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek. Absolutely. And that is Face of the Enemy. Purely for Troy.
0: Yes.
1: Because she's phenomenal in she it. She
0: is. She goes undercover as a Romulan Tal Shiar and just crushes this episode. I love it.
1: Mm-hmm. She does. So in this scene, this is scene 10, and Decev...
0: Yeah, because he informs the Enterprise crew. Yes.
1: He is the human guy that defects to Romulus then is coming back Mm -hmm. to the Federation. So, he's the former Romulan defector now realises the Federation is no longer home to him in his quarters he realises that he's more alone than he's ever been. And it's just a really, really short scene before Captain Picard comes in in the normal part of the episode. And we learn that Vorchak is the Romulan word for coffee and all he has to do is ask for coffee. Yeah. And it gives them a, a cup of coffee. Clearly, these replicators were not programmed by Starbucks because if I go into Starbucks and ask for coffee, they're going to say like, "What kind of coffee do you want? Do you want a latte? Do you want a cappuccino? Do you want an americano? Do you want Espresso. a frappuccino? Yeah. Something, something, something." And then there's going to be a million other options. Size: small, medium, large, extra large, venti.
0: What type of milk? Or, are, yeah. yes,
1: milk, <laughs> soy, almond, semi. Yeah. Do you want whipped cream? Do you want st- chocolate sprinkles? Would you like it with a straw? Do you want it to stay or to go? Would you like a bear claw or some other sweet treat to go with it? Would you like a toasted panini sandwich with it? Yes. All for twenty five ninety five. So yeah, just a really simple. <laughs> Just a coffee.
0: So uh, this scene, the only notes that I have is that when he asks for, what was the Romulan word? Vorchek. (laughs) Vorchek. The computer voice is some guy
1: speaking. Oh, in the background, yeah.
0: Yes. (laughs) I thought that that was was so funny when he was trying to order that. And then he's like, okay, just give me coffee. Yeah. We did not need this scene. (laughs)
1: No, no, not at all. It's The deleted scenes just highlight how much additional work goes into having a final episode that looks amazing with all the sound sounds effects. sounds amazing, and, yeah. Yes, exactly. Because it's really obvious when you're watching the deleted scenes, it goes from the normal episode... And then into the deleted scene, and it looks completely different. It's all
0: greyed out, and
1: yeah, it's just really washed out. Uh Yeah, exactly. So
0: yeah, and you don't have the sound effects, and it wasn't Major Barrett's computer voice. So
1: (laughs) exactly, and you have the woman screaming when she goes up to the replicator (laughs) in sick bay. Oh, I'll never forget that. So let's move on with episode 15, and that is Tapestry. I like Tapestry now. I never kind of got it the first time. Oh, I I love Tapestry.
0: I love those what-if scenarios.
1: And this is a brilliant what-if scenario because it really highlights what happens if Picard's kind of past is changed in any way. So the first scene that we're going to talk about is scene seven. Picard finds it hard to believe that he's really dead. Q does what he can do to convince him otherwise. Amy, what are we thinking about this But
0: I really liked this because we've got Q, like, you know, saying, well, I'm God. And Picard's like, you're Mm. not God. And he's like, well, check your heart rate. And then Picard, like, puts his fingers up to his neck. And he's like, no pulse. What a surprise. And then Q's like, well, why would I go to all this trouble when I could just kill you anytime? This is your dead you know he's trying to convince Mm. him and I thought that was really cute I would have kept that in. yes
1: but I'm thinking like never trust Q Mm -hmm. how easy would it be for Q to when Picard's checking his pulse to make it so he doesn't feel anything anyway Yeah, I mean Q could do anything so just never trust what you see what you hear from a Q ever I'm going to keep it in just purely because it's John Delancey and Patrick Stewart on screen. Yeah. They're both really good actors and there's a really good chemistry between them and the way John Delancey plays Q is, is just so irritating. Yes. And is. Patrick Stewart is just, as Jean-Luc Picard is just so calm and, Straightforward and by the book and, and measured. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I really like that between them. So we're keeping yeah?
0: Yeah, again, we need to keep It's it kind out.
1: of funny. Yeah. We already knew that um, Q, because it's in the episode anyway, that Q says he's God. Mm-hmm. He's just toying with Picard at this point but it's this other wee bit about checking your heart rate. Yeah
0: it just adds a little bit of levity to it it's humorous.
1: True. And is that the way they do it in the future? Still, put your fingers to your neck. Don't they check their Apple Watch? <laughs> yeah, That's right. what I would do. Use the technology that's available to you. The next scene is scene 26, which is a conversation between Picard and Marta. And it's the morning after their, their liaison, shall we call mm-hmm. it. Everything's different between them now and not in a good way. So we learn, I think, from this, that apparently one in three Starfleet Academy cadets wash out because at the opening ceremony mm-hmm. for their, for their year at the Academy the Admiral in charge says look to the left look to the right then one of you will not make it Mm -hmm. and to me that meant that not that they're going to die but one of them won't make it through the four years or however long they're in the academy for
0: yeah what do you think would you keep it
1: do you know what I don't want to keep it it was an interesting insight into Picard's initial days at the academy but I have a really hard time seeing envisaging a young Picard being so confident and cocky and not the card that we know that has served in starfleet so long the the diplomat something so measured and thoughtful mm-hmm. i don't see this young french guy being really kind of brash i have trouble imagining that so i of take it out for that reason possibly delete it i don't think it adds anything to the episode
0: yeah i'm on the fence because i think this deleted scene tells us more about marta because she was like You know, I looked and I knew right then that I wanted you as a friend and it sort of felt like that she, well, and she said she felt like she was the one that wasn't going to make it. And so I don't like that again, a female not making it in a STEM world. So I almost Mm, want to delete it for that reason because of her hesitation and her lack of confidence, but yet it says so much about who she is and what she had to overcome to remain in the Academy and and to, you know, get as far as she did in Starfleet. So I'm on the fence with this one.
1: I think for what you just said there about her being a female, kind of automatically thinking that she wasn't going to make it or she wasn't good enough in some way, then we delete it for that reason. Mm -hmm. Because it lessens her role in the episode, I think. So yeah, we'll we'll agree to delete that. And then the last scene from Tapestry, I'm just, I can't even can't even talk about this because I'm deleting it. Okay. Can you tell the listeners about this scene?
0: Yeah, so we have Lieutenant Junior Grade Picard visits engineering and he is trying to be more assertive and wants to help Jordy with, oh, I forgot to write down what it was, but Jordy was trying to fix something, and Picard's like, well, have you tried this? And Jordy is, again, just very dismissive. Yeah, I've tried mm-hmm. it. You need to go back to astrometrics and, you know, and just is so dismissive of Picard. But it shows that he's trying to be more assertive and to, you know, build up his career to what he knows he can be with this you know second mm-hmm. go around I, I think we get enough of it in the episode that we don't need mm-hmm. to have this
1: scene it's, the episode is worthy enough having to watch the amazing Jean-Luc Picard be so I want to say that he's kind of low down he's a lesser form of life in some way but he's not he's still a lieutenant on the Federation's flagship yeah. do you know what I mean so he's done really well to get there and he's working in astrophysics so that's really cool in itself but just the way Geordi speaks to him and then directly after that we see the proper part of the episode mm-hmm. where he goes to Ten Forward to speak to Riker and Troy and have that really uncomfortable conversation Yeah, where you've just never been committed and you're just re- not really cut out for anything because he says he wants to go on the command track and I'm like I can't yeah. I can't watch it it's too yeah
0: I think this scene much. extends that awkwardness and it's almost like Picard is groveling you know that he wants mm-hmm. to do so much more but everyone doesn't see see that in him so I'm fine to delete it because we get that with his conversation with Troy and Riker in 10 forward
1: yeah exactly good I'm glad we're deleting this last couple of bits let's move on from tapestry and talk about episode 17 which was birthright part 2 Amy, what was happening in this scene 21?
0: So this was interesting to watch so recently because we had discussed Birthright with our good friend Pierre LaRocco a couple episodes ago. And um, so this one, we have the mystery of Worf's disappearance continues to worry his friends, but even more puzzling is the fate of Moog, his father. So I found this deleted scene i want to keep it because troy's in it um but mm-hmm. picard leans over you know because Worf has missed his where they were going to pick him up and so picard goes to counselor troy and like asks you know well how was, what was Worf's mental state? Did he believe that his father was alive? Does he wish that his father was alive? And so we get this added insight as to Troy's true counseling and how she has tried to help Worf, mm-hmm. but then also gives an insight, you know, that really Worf does hope to find his father and i think that that's important because it it adds another layer of complexity to Worf's desire and like his original mission to go out and find his father
1: yeah because as far as we know just watching the episode Worf wants his father to be dead so he had an honorable death fight in the romulans at kitzamer all we ever really know about moog is through Worf's telling Mm -hmm. and so it's probably quite an idealized version of who his father is and so i'm thinking about the, the question picard asks i think the answer is no i can't remember the question now
0: well he asks like you know does he believe that his father is dead does he want to find his father Like those questions.
1: Yeah, okay, I got you. I've written in my notes, no is the answer. (laughs) (laughs) What is the question? (laughs) Yeah, so as far as we know from Worf, Moog will not want to be found Mm -hmm. if he is still alive because of the dishonor and the disgrace that will bring to him surviving 20 years in this as a prisoner, essentially. Yeah,
0: but deep down still sort of wishing to find him and Mm -hmm. see him.
1: Yeah. I suppose Moog, as he gets older, if he is still alive, then this life that he will have lived that we don't know anything about yet might have softened him and age might have lessened his Klingon tendencies. Mm-hmm. So he might have just not given up, but been okay with his lot in life having survived this attack. The next scene is scene 23, just after the previous one. Uh, Worf's escape attempt has failed, and Tolkath is beginning to realise that he may no longer be able to preserve the sanctuary. So I think here we learn that the Romulans are still in contact with the rest of the Empire. They've increased the border scouts, and they're looking for the Iridian ship, and they're going to increase patrols in the camp in case more people come to visit that they can be dissuaded from doing so.
0: Yeah, this scene is, it's more of, I want to almost keep it because we sort of get the feel that this sanctuary is now in danger because they the Iridian ship has now escaped and now people are going to be coming to find him and that there's, the knowledge that they exist is out there with the Iridian mm-hmm. ship. But... Yeah. We sort of get that feeling throughout the whole episode. So I'm sort of on the fence about it.
1: Out of all the deleted scenes in this episode, of which there are quite a few, this is one that I would delete because it's. if I were to rank them in order, this would be the one I would delete the most, I think. Yeah. There's other more deserving um, scenes that I would keep in. Yeah, agreed. Cool. Scene 32, what's happening here, Amy?
0: So Worf is sharing this proud tradition of Klingon mythology with the captain's And he's telling the story uh, to the young ones around the campfire. And he's saying that Kalus walked into the sea to get his knife. And he held his breath for five days and five nights. And then the young one's like, well, that's impossible. And, you know, but I like adding this mythology to Kalus, and I Mm. would definitely keep it. And again, just this. Over the top, you know, five days and five nights under the water, you know, and I, I would yeah. just
1: keep it. Under the water, which was part of the ocean that was created by tears, wasn't it? Yeah. I think he mentions that as well. That somebody cried for so long, right. like that filled up an ocean. Um, yeah, I kind of, I really like mythology. Humans are just full of ancient myths and legends that are so, so far fetched. The story, Aesop's fables, the story of the mouse that pulled the thorn out of the, ta- the lion's paw, mm-hmm. or there's Jesus feeding 5,000 people weighed five loaves and two fishes or was it two loaves and five fishes yeah anyway there was hardly any lo- bread and hardly any fish but he managed to feed like hundreds of people
0: yeah when I heard the five days and five nights I was like oh you know Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights you know <laughs> it's what exactly yeah he's going mind. to be
1: pretty hungry yes by the end of that <laughs> yeah and like all the Greek mythology like the story of Sisyphus try to roll the rock up the hill but never the higher he gets the more difficult it gets and he never Quite gets to the top. Mm-hmm. I think that's his, his version of hell. Yeah. He can't escape the, the afterlife. And mm-hmm. Pandora's box, that idea she couldn't resist it and she opened it. Yeah. And all the evil and hatred and flew that, out. And yeah. yeah, and the only thing that was left in the box was hope. So there's loads like, cultures across the world that are really rich with these stories. None of them are believable anyway. They're just nice stories with. An interesting point or maybe some kind of point behind yeah. them. Yeah, so I'm keeping yes, this. Yes, we're definitely. keeping that one. Um, scene 40. Um, Giral tells Worth the story of how she gave up grieving of her past life and gave into the need for companionship, taking Tokath, the Romulan guy, as her husband. I really want to keep this, Amy.
0: Oh, me too. This is a powerful scene.
1: Yes. She left a five-year-old son on the Klingon homeworld yeah. and she spent years... Grieving for this child that she would never get to see.
0: Yeah, three years. And I'm
1: like, how does a, a mother... Was it three years? Mm-hmm. How does a mother do that? Yeah. I know it's a on mother, and they probably, like... Grieve forever. Or grieve less, because they're hard warrior-like. Um, but yeah, I don't know how she did that.
0: Yeah, and I really like it because Worf is... Again, very judgmental and it's like, you Mm -hmm. went, you took up with a Romulan, but she is so passionate about what she did was best for her and her family, you know, and she's like, who are you to judge? And, you know, and we're finally like, well, I can understand and I can almost respect your sacrifice that happened at Kittimer, but how could you take him for a mate? And she just goes on and, you know, and she explains, I had to give up this hatred and loneliness. I Mm -hmm. gave that up and chose to have this beautiful, wonderful life. And I think that that is very important and definitely needs to be kept in this story.
1: Yeah. No, you're right saying Worth is really judgmental. He's kind of racist, almost, isn't he, oh, towards yeah. Romulans? I know he's got this experience, a bit like um, O'Brien is towards the Cardassians because of the way right. they treated Prisoners during the war, Federation Cardassian War, but Worf's a bit like that. He's really jaded towards the Romulans mm-hmm. because of his previous experience and can't see anything good about them. Yeah, but she really drives at home that no, she is happy here, and these are her experiences, mm-hmm. and, and that it was her, her choice her case well. You know exactly, yeah. Because yeah. I think when we spoke to P- Pierre discussing this episode, we I think it was maybe me that mentioned that there was a bit of Stockholm syndrome, right? Yeah, that they learned to love their captors. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think that's the case anymore.
0: Yeah, not after seeing this deleted scene. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think Stockholm Syndrome is maybe where you your mind gives up in such a way that you, for you to survive in any sense, you develop feelings for your captors. Mm-hmm. But the way she puts it, like she's she made this conscious to create yes. a life. Yeah. Exactly. And she does that and she's quite happy mm-hmm. with it. So another interesting take. Okay, so we're going to move on. Another few scenes to go in this episode, scene 45, where Worf tells Tolk more of the legend of Kaelas.
0: So this is the one where they're going out for the hunt and they're in the jungle, mm-hmm. you know. And and so Worf is telling Tolk of this, you know, more of the legend where Kayless was captured And before he was going to be executed, he asked his captors, well, let me say goodbye to the moon and the stars. And Toke's like, well, he could have escaped. He could have saved himself. And why would would they allow him to go out for one last evening? And Worf, I think the moral of the story is like, well, he gave his word and that he would return. So that is good enough. And then he was killed. So I sort of like that because we're getting more of the Kayla story. And again, the moral of when a Klingon gives his word. He will honour it.
1: Because it's all about Klingon honour. I wrote that it didn't really add anything. It was just more Klingon lore. But I think you've explained it quite well that it deepens our knowledge of Kaelas and why Worf should be allowed to go out on this hunt. But one question is, when did Worf become such a great hunter? Obviously, his knowledge about being Klingon just comes from what he's read in like the Federation archives so when did he? When did he ever hone this skill? Yeah, I know he grew up in Russia or whatever Russia will be with his Russian parents, and we know Vladimir Putin's a hunter. He likes to hunt shirtless on horseback, doesn't he? Yeah. But I don't. I don't think reading a book necessarily makes me a great hunter.
0: You know, it's interesting, and we'll talk about rightful air because this. Uh, episode is also in season six and when Worf is talking to Kalis and I know we're giving it away we'll come back to it but you know Kalis is like well you have a son where's your son and Worf is like well I'm teaching him the ways but going back to birthright it's like yeah he knows the Klingon rituals and stories because he's read them but has he practiced them so you do make a good point because we know Worf, I mean, outside of the holodeck, I mean, maybe he has done holodeck practices of the hunt.
1: We've seen him play with his batleth.
0: Yeah. But as far as experiential knowledge, I, I think you're right. He he definitely knows the book knowledge of the mm-hmm. history of Klingon, but the experience we have seen previously, like Guinan's like, oh, I know Klingons that laugh and you don't laugh. It's because he doesn't mm-hmm. have that experiential
1: knowledge. That's, that's so true. Yeah. Okay. So this next one is We're nearly there Listeners Stay with us um, This is scene Three to go In Birthright um, Scene 49 Where Tokath Is a deeply compassionate man Who sacrificed his military career To avoid unnecessary bloodshed Worf seems determined To make the man Put him to death There's something that is it, I can't remember who says it It's either Tokath or, or Worf Without tradition We have no identity We have no pride And I'm not sure If I agree with that And then I, it took me. To Think about traditions that I have. Like, we still do, like, a family Easter Sunday dinner. None of us are religious in any way. Yes, we were brought up religious, but none of us have any religious affiliation anymore. But we still do this because it's a nice, kind of, a family tradition. We still put up a Christmas tree for the same reason. Same reason, because it's kind of pretty and decorative. And, yeah, so we have all these little family traditions when Worf said that I think it was what made me think about all the wee things that I do but I don't think as a culture traditions are necessarily important like personal traditions might be
0: but I think that's what builds culture Mm. and so so let me tell you a quick story and I'll try and get through it because I know this is going to be a long episode sorry listeners um but you brought up Easter and it was the craziest thing um a girlfriend of mine called me up and I haven't spoken to her in like three years. And she was telling me that she told about our family's Easter tradition to her friends because, and she just adopted it as her tradition. So okay. we get these with my family, we have these, uh, I, I think they're the Cadbury eggs, but they're the color eggs. And when you lick them, the, the color runs off, and so you put them on your lips, sort of like lipstick. And so we paint our lips with these eggs, and they're you know, yellow, pink, blue. Blue is the best one, listeners, if you do that. Mm-hmm. And then we take pictures, and it's just sort of this fun thing that all the girls do uh, at Easter time. And it was so interesting to learn that my friend, who had spent so many Easter's, because she was my roommate and stuff like that, She spent so many Easter's with me and my family that she adopted that culture as hers and was passing on that tradition to her kids and telling that to her friends. And I thought, man, that she really is building that culture and how important that history and the stories are to relive the memories and the feeling of bonding Mm -hmm. and being together. And so for that, I think that understanding of the importance of stories and really builds and I
1: think we need to keep this scene. Okay, I agree with you. So I'm going to have to think on this more about tradition being important. A-
0: another story. just okay. I have a lot of family traditions and one of them uh, on my mother's side, the 4th of July parade, we would always go to uh, Centerville, Utah and watch the parade in Centerville. But that smaller family tradition builds up the entire nation's tradition of 4th of July celebrations and culture. But on a micro level, we were celebrating that and the macro. So it's sort of combined to both. So like my love of 4th of July is not because mm. of America per se, it's because of my family traditions that support...
1: Okay, I get you. I think we have to move on. Yes. Although I am going to the shops, like, immediately to buy some Cadbury's mini eggs.
0: Yes, yeah, That those mini eggs, yep.
1: Paint my lips and <laughs> <laughs> send you pictures. Uh, okay, we're, again, we're still nearly there. It's scene 51. Amy, what's happening here?
0: Okay, so Talcoth is, this is where he's going to have Wharf executed, and I... I think we need to keep this scene in because we really see Tokoth like rallying the troops and building this common uh, sacrifices that everyone has had to do to get to build this sanctuary and that Wharf is going to destroy it all. And so we really get Tokoth in this beautiful speech of, you know, we, you know, you lost your son and we built this community. I I didn't write down exactly, but it was very rallying the troops of getting his support. And he's like, I don't want to do this, but this is necessary to keep our sanctuary.
1: Yes. It's all those little examples of community that he lists. There was one that was really notable. Um, I stood beside you at your wedding. Oh, yeah. And then years later, when your wife fell ill and died, I was with you and we cried together. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, okay, so this is a, seems to be less of a case of captor and captive and more of a case of a village with, where well, everybody's friends. And, yeah.
0: And building. Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. So, yeah, I'm going to agree to keep it. So, Tokath and Giral. Really sell this their home, yeah. This village, yeah. Which maybe that's why they were deleted. Hmm. Because we wanted to side with Wharf.
0: But I don't know, because at the end when they allowed some of their youth to leave, you know, and then Wharf's like, You can hmm. never speak of this place to honor. And I think when we hear and see these deleted scenes, what Tokoth and Jural has built, like that's really truly honoring because what they did was so pure and right.
1: Mm-hmm. For the, yeah, their time, yeah, that's true. Okay, um, so we're keeping that in. Yeah, scene fifty-five is the last one. Yeah, this is. Yeah. we're throwing this one out. We're throwing this one out because apparently the Enterprise has the ability to receive text messages. Yes,
0: <laughs> it's text only.
1: Yeah, through its little sim card, and then there's another bit where the text message says the wharfs on board a Romulan supply ship. Yeah, and then it goes to them meeting this Romulan supply ship
0: captain, and it
1: said the Derridex class warbird yeah
0: that wasn't a supply ship it's not
1: a supply ship no it's like a big that's a warship seriously (laughs) that brings us to the end of Birthright a lot to keep in because it adds depth to the story but a lot like we're just going to throw away because it was kind of pointless we shall move on to episode 20 which again is one of my favourite Star Trek episodes because it's really adventurous, and that is the chase. Yeah. Amy, what's happening in scene 36B?
0: So we have Beverly Crusher, who is trying... We're gathering samples to for all the different DNAs, if you remember mm-hmm. the chase. And yeah. so this is where we have Mott, the ship's barber, uh, is offering his DNA. And I... Really, we must keep this in uh, because Mm -hmm. it just adds this humor. And he's like, Mott is like, is it going to hurt? And then Beverly's like, not as much as that pedicure you gave me last week. Oh, my gosh. That humor was so cute. And to see their interaction, it, it really reminded me of the Orville and just sort of the light humor that gets interjected just on this on just very slight. But yet, so important to show the relationship. And we don't see enough of Mott, so I'm keeping it in.
1: I think we keep it in, but it's just a weird little scene, isn't it? Yeah. For a few reasons. Like, I don't believe that Sick Bay wouldn't have a record of the DNA, like, of different species that were in the Federation.
0: Well, I know that they have, like, their transporters, but I don't know if that's specific DNA. That's just their pattern, you know?
1: I know, but I wasn't really buying that. I think it was something, having to get all 1,000 and something people in, kind of one at a time, kind of, or like even just single members of different species. There must be something like, I don't want to say, 50 different species Mm -hmm. serving Mm -hmm. aboard the Enterprise. Yeah, I did like that humour, the the pedicure. Yeah. And then he walks away um, saying, oh, nobody ever listens to me. And I'm like, oh, just a poor wee lost soul. (laughs) But now we know that he does pedicures, so yes. it's a full service barber shop. And
0: that Beverly gets them, so that's good to know.
1: Exactly. She'll have what well, pedicures your feet, isn't it? Yes. Mm. Don't like feet. Yeah. That's why not you I have someone
0: that. else touch them.
1: Oh, no, oh no. Nobody's touching my feet. Oh my Please. gosh. Yeah. I
0: need a pedicure so bad. This quarantine's yeah, that's all I'm gonna say.
1: <laughs> when you walk do your nails like they're like clicking on the, now. On the floor? <laughs> no, they're <Yeah>. not. <laughs> But okay, we're going to move on to our last episode, which is Rightful Air, another Klingon-heavy episode. This is episode 23 of the season, and there are a bunch of deleted scenes. There are seven. We will get through them as quickly as possible. Amy, what's happening in scenes six and seven?
0: So, for this scene, it's Riker is talking to Picard about Worf's sloppy performance, because he seems distracted, he's behind on reports... And it just sort of adds to how Worf usually isn't. So I'm not sure if I would keep this because Riker's like, well, this isn't the first time that Worf has done this. And I'm like, hold on. This is Worf we're talking Mm -hmm. about. Don't be saying this is normal behavior. So just from that one little thing, I would have deleted. If he would have said, Recently, Worf has been distracted, but he sort of made it sound like Worf is a sloppy officer in general. And I didn't like that.
1: Yes. Riker says he got dressed and reported for duty as if nothing happened. Yeah. So it implies that something relatively big happened yeah. to do with Worf. And then it prompted Riker to go take it to Picard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what did Worf do? And we never really learn. And then it goes into the scene where Picard goes to Worf's quarters. Yeah.
0: On your feet, officer.
1: Picard is not happy. Mm -mm.
0: Would you keep it?
1: Yeah, I'm thinking deleting it.
0: Yeah, I think it needs to be deleted.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: We know know Worf is off kilter by now.
1: Yes, exactly. So a little bit later in scene 25, Worf wants desperately to believe that this man is really careless and the newcomer says all the right things. He does. It's just a conversation. It's just a conversation between Worf and Kaela. one of many that are in the episode already.
0: But I think I like it because Kaela is like, I came to you in a dream and th- said that you would do something unique, and then Worf is like, Yeah, I'm. I serve in Starfleet where no other Klingon has done this before. Mm-hmm. So I think I th- we need that.
1: Do, but did we not already know that? Worf had a vision of Kate Yeah. when he was younger. Well, that in the is caves true. I don't know. I'm going back to that way I used to be where it was just Klingons talking and I was like, really had to focus to listen. Because um, it's just a lot of talk and it's like, oh, we are Klingons. Rah, 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 rah. So I kind of struggled. So for that reason, I want to kind of delete it, I think.
0: Yeah, I do think we get... Yeah, I would keep it because I'm not sure that we really do... Get that, but Kayles is definitely selling it here.
1: Yes, Yeah. yes. Um, okay, in scene 27, Picard briefs Data, Troy, and Riker on Calus' existence, much to their surprise. So this is a scene in the briefing room, and they're all just standing around chatting.
0: Yeah, and Riker's like, well, this can't be Calus. Calus has been dead for a thousand years, and then Data... Says one thousand five hundred forty-seven years to be exact. So we get a forty-seven reference. So I'm going to keep it in just uh, for that.
1: Okay, I'm keeping it. I've totally missed that, but good pick there. Um, <clears throat> I was delete it before that.
0: I I mean, we really could delete it because we learn nothing new. But we do get the exact timeline. Of 1,547. So for the trivia, we would keep it in.
1: Trivia for the fan service, keep it for the the 47. Okay. Uh, Scene 37, Amy.
0: Yeah. So this was sort of what I mentioned before because Worf is talking to k and how it's like living among humans. What I found so interesting with this deleted scene is that Worf refers to us humans as aliens. And that was so surprising to me. And Worf says, these aliens allow me to perform, you know, all the Klingon rituals. And so I can do all of these things and I can keep up my Klingon, Klingon Klingon-ness, you know, and Kales is like, well, where's your son? And again, this was interesting as well, where Worf is not exactly truthful. He says, well, he is visiting his parents, I'm like, come on, Worf. He is not visiting. You know? Yeah, he you, is you living. Him off. Yeah, you mm-hmm. shipped him off, you know? So I, and then Kayla is like, well, how is he going to learn about the Klingon rituals? And Worf is like, well, I'm instructing him. I'm like, hmm. And Kayla sort of calls him out. He's like, you know, well, living with aliens, and he's like, this is a nice sword, but living with aliens could dull your sword. You know, and your knowledge mm-hmm. and experience of Klingons. And so I'm torn because I think Worf lies and he calls these humans, his friends, his family, he calls us aliens, which I didn't appreciate. But we get a lot of information.
1: Do you think he maybe does that for Kales' benefit? Yes. He's trying to
0: show off.
1: No, but in terms of calling them aliens, because Kales wouldn't necessarily know what a human is. I mean, it's just another alien. Yeah. Because we don't know when... The Klingon race became spacefaring and made first contact with anybody else. It might have been before. Well, yeah. We're assuming it was before Kaelis' time. So, yeah, I. You're right. We do learn quite a lot we in this. Do. But I, I think we got to keep it. it. It's okay, a good scene. It. Your your call. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's keep it then. Nice. See, directly after this, um, we've got scene thirty-eight. Gowron is summons the Enterprise to a rendezvous way outside Klingon space. And it's just a conversation between Riker and Data on the bridge. There's nothing to it. Yeah. Basically, they receive word from Gowron, come here now.
0: Yeah. I, I didn't even write any notes, so we do not need no. to keep this.
1: Okay, that's that's <laughs> fine. Jumping back to scenes 47 and 48, as Worf and KLS share a drink. They discuss life, death, and Core. Amy, what are you thinking?
0: Yeah, I I've think we note. need to keep this one... Um, because its sort of, we understand Kais a little bit more. and it it inches us just a little bit closer to the fact that he's a clone because he mm-hmm. describes, well, they're sharing this taste of Warnog. and Worf is like, well, the replicators can't do it justice. And then Kayla sort of like, uh, well, it's been so long, I can't remember, so it tastes okay. Like he Kalis is trying to cover. Up something, yeah.
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then Worf asks him about death in Stovakor, and so then we get the explanation that Kayla says, "Well, I'm in this form right now, so I don't remember my past form." And so Obviously. he's again sort of covering, but I almost believe him because, I mean, I don't know if we're dead, do we remember our life, or if we? Come back from the dead, do we remember our death? I don't know, so it seems yeah. plausible that what Kayless is saying is true.
1: That's true. I we definitely see that Worf has drunk the Kayless Kool-Aid, hasn't yes. he here? He's all in, he's totally believing this guy, but as the viewer we're seeing all these little chinks in Kayless's story. Even though we don't necessarily know at this point that they are chinks. Right. It's only with hindsight that we see that or well, he doesn't remember what Stovacore was like and he can't remember the taste of Warnog. Um, I wonder if that's like eggnog.
0: I know, I was sort of wondering what that was. <laughs> was it a milky, you know, thick consistency yeah. or
1: made of warthog? Or something, I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> Anything that ends I, I, in OG. <laughs> yeah. Uh okay. So I think we're keeping that. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's keep it. Okay. Last scene listeners, you'll be glad to hear. Um, and then we'll get this episode wrapped up so you can stop listening to Amy and I drone on. Scene fifty-nine. Amy, what's happening here?
0: So this one we have Gowron and Koroth, and they're Basically deciding whether the Enterprise is going to be the one to deliver k to the Klingon homeworld. Mm-hmm. That was sort of the scene because everything else, like you said, when you're watching it, they show what is in the episode, then it you know, fades to the deleted scene, and then it picks back up. I did not feel that we needed this deleted scene because it gets covered in the regular episode.
1: I think so too, and what really drew me out of the episode was that Koroth... Said Klingon. I is heard that too,
0: and I'm like, Klingon was
1: like, what is that? What even is that? Yeah, it's it's like that episode where in Deep Space Nine, where Jadzia goes back to the the Trill home world because there's something wrong with her. There's mm-hmm. remember she discovers that she's got an, a, another suppressed life in her doctor. Yes, was she the head of the Trill Symbiosis Commission? I want to say. Yeah, who dealt with the Dax symbiont calls her jadzia as opposed to jadzia Ah. and every time it's just not jadzia it's like calling you (laughs) Amway,
0: right you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable
1: (laughs) the emphasis i've never heard that before that sounds like a thing (laughs) syllable (laughs) i think we should do a whole episode where we put the (laughs) wrong emphasis on everything
0: oh my gosh that would be so funny
1: Uh, I don't know if people would enjoy that (laughs) Hmm. Okay, so we're deleting that basically because he called the Klingons Klingons. Listeners, you made it, you stuck with us unless you switched us off and deleted that episode. That's fine You can do that. Amy, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? We deleted a good few scenes, we kept a few scenes in we will compile that list and write to Paramount and Viacom and CBS and yes. insist that they get digitally remastered exactly. and put back in the episode, or there will be hell to pay.
0: So it was interesting, uh, as you put in your notes, you know, going through the deleted scenes. They're on the uh, Blu-ray set, the set that came out, mm-hmm. but there is also deleted scenes from chain of command part one and part two that is not on the set but you have to buy the standalone Mm blu-ray release of chain of command so again spend more money um, and if you do then you will get one two three four five six seven eight nine you would get nine deleted scenes for chain of command part one and part two I do not own just that standalone.
1: Do you know what? While I love my Star Trek, I'm not not a cash cow for CBS, so...
0: Yeah. So, listeners, let us know if you own that and have seen those deleted scenes for Chain of Command Part 1 and Part 2. I think it would be interesting because that is an amazing episode. But as far as what got deleted for Season 6, man, there were a lot. And I think our ratio is about, we're keeping about 90% of them. There's only a few yeah, that we deleted. there's very few. And that they add to the episode.
1: Exactly. And the ones that we deleted were pretty much little snippets of like less than 10 seconds of footage that yeah. we felt didn't really add anything. And
0: that's covered in the regular episodes. So. Exactly. And they need to quit so. deleting Troy scenes, period. That's my final thought.
1: Yes, I think TNG's maybe finished filming for a while, so I think we're okay. I think we're safe. <laughs> Amy, we have a, a preview of what's coming up next week. We super, do. Super special episode.
0: Listeners, we are going to have an epic crossover with Zach, Liam, and Suzanne from To The Journey. We are going to continue our fan collection set And we are going to cover the Borg. So on Tuesday. Are they from Sweden? They are. (laughs) Your neighbors. (laughs) Yeah. So we are going to cover the Borg episodes um, from TNG, obviously, on Earl Grey. And then Wednesday, you'll want to listen to The Journey to have us discuss the Borg episodes on Voyager. So we're really looking forward to that.
1: Yes, I can't wait. Although this has been really hell to organize because we are entirely around the world.
0: We it is. And we started trying to organize this last year.
1: We did. So, yeah, that's going to be good fun. Yeah. Well, it's been so much fun talking about Season 6 deleted scenes today, but that isn't the only thing we've been discussing here on the network. Here is what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.fm, The Orb. But of all the Section 31 that we're getting in New Trek, this feels the most legitimate. This feels like the Section 31 yeah. that we we know... From yep. Deep
0: Space Nine, and it doesn't feel like oh, we're just going back to the well again, because you know even Ira said, you know I know they've used it in the movies, but we created this.
1: Earl Grey. Uh, not still no clue. It's going to. I'm going to kick myself when I get it. Yeah,
0: tell us, Jim. Kirsten Dunst. Oh, oh Kirsten my Dunst. gosh! I, of
1: course. I hate the universe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Kirsten oh my. Gosh, I knew that. What's wrong with us? The best L'Octana performance in all seven seasons, in my opinion. Literary Treks. If this were an episode of Voyager, and I actually think this book would make an interesting episode of Voyager, and like we kind of hinted at, maybe it's very much like an episode Mm -hmm. of Voyager that we'll talk about. I don't think it would have been called Seven of Nine, right? no. No,
1: it would have to have, like, a one-word title to fit in with most of the other Voyager episodes, so you can't really remember which one it's about.
0: Yeah, it would just be called Seven. That's what it would
1: be called. (laughs) (laughs) To the journey! She did actually mean Uh what she said back in the space just before they die. I don't know, I just kind of like it. It's just I'm going to tell you I love you just before I die. Not a minute sooner. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like at least i don't have to deal with the ramifications if i'm dead <laughs> well that backfired
0: or maybe she was just like at least i don't have to hear him not say it if
1: we're gonna die so what you're saying is next time that we ask someone to marry them or anyone who asks someone to marry them they should do it on death's door of like some kind yes. of crazy venture like jumping off a bungee jump. You're in
0: the middle of being eaten by a shark or something.
1: I love you. Gobble, gobble, gobble. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what else is happening on Trek. FM.
0: Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop Apple Podcasts app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review that helps others to find the show.
1: If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, and most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link.
0: Do you want a bonus question?
1: Oh yeah, I was trying to think of a bonus question there, and I was like, oh, I don't have anything. So yes, I'm so glad you have one. Okay,
0: so for our seasons of STLV, we Mm -hmm. have uh, three that we have attended together. Seasons one, two, and three. So out (laughs) of those three seasons, what would be a deleted scene?
1: Oh, and would I put it back in or not? What um, would be a deleted scene? Sweet question. Do you know what? I was thinking before you asked the question, and I was thinking you were going to go with what was your like favorite thing you would never delete. Oh. And it was the time that you took Ewan and I to, oh, I can't remember the name of it, the old strip. Oh,
0: Fremont Street.
1: Fremont Street, and that was literally the, the, like, the most fun I've ever had in my life. Um, so we would
0: definitely not of, delete that.
1: Definitely never getting deleted, yes. Okay. Um, so that was, that was so much fun. Um, and you gave me into trouble for buying chewing gum. <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. I loved it. Um, okay, so what would I delete? The, the mornings. Ah. Uh. The hangover in the morning because we've stood up too late. And then you make me get up. Like, we go to bed at like four and then you make me get up at like half seven to record a podcast. And I'm like, Amy, please, I need sensory deprivation when I'm hungover. Oh
0: my gosh, yes, I remember that. Me get up.
1: Yeah, that's about it. What about you?
0: Well... I'm going to come at it with a little twist. Um, mm-hmm. I would delete it only because it is so special that I only want a few people to remember that, not the general public. So the deleted scene would be something more special. And mm-hmm. that would be the time <laughs> when Ewan and I stayed up all uh, no. night. Oh, <laughs> no. All night, listeners, we did not sleep at all. (laughs) And I would put that in the deleted scenes just because I want to cherish that with just a few people.
1: I'm still disgusted about that episode. (laughs) I was very sensible that evening and went to bed nice and early. And you know what? See, even at home when Ewan's on a night out with like for work or with his friends Uh and sometimes I'll wake up like one two three and he won't be in Uh and I'll wake up with a fright and I'll be worried and then I'll check for him on find my friends and there's been a glitch in the phone it looks like he's in the river or out at sea or something I was like oh no what's happened to him and then he always turns up so Amy and Ewan did go out One night then, stayed up so late, they went for breakfast. We did. The next morning.
0: (laughs) We saw people on the way to the gym.
1: (laughs) They basically went outside like at 5 a.m., I assume. We saw the sunrise. snug as a bug in a rug. Um, Did you not count crickets out in the wee garden outside the Rio or something?
0: We did everything. Do
1: you even remember what you did that night, Amy? Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> yes, I would delete that for other reasons.
0: <laughs> but Drunk you knew he was safe because he was with me.
1: That's no guarantee of safety, <laughs> is it? I suppose. Anyways, good question.
0: Well, we would love to hear your thoughts on today's show. And there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up.
1: If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter and Instagram at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com trek.fm. So, Amy, where can people contact you? When you're not deciding whether or not to only take Ewan or me to STLV, you can pick one.
0: That is Sophie's choice right there.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And when I am choosing both, you can find me over on United Federation (laughs) of Podcasts. Mm-mm. where I host All Good Things with Patrick Devlin. We get to talk about all of Star Trek. You can find me on Twitter, at Miss Amy Nelson. And you can find me right there in the Babel Conference. So, Joe, where can people contact you when Q isn't making you find your pulse to see if you're alive?
1: Do you know what? I'm, like, over this Q stuff. Like, I would see through his wily guises, and, yeah, who wouldn't beat me? But when I'm not doing that, you can get me on Twitter at Joey Joe. No, you can tweet me on the Twitter hmm. at joeyjoe. 77 UK, you can email me, joepodcasts at gmail.com, and you can get me lurking about the Bible Conference. And I've got a little bit better about replying to messages. Yeah, I'm, you're doing I'm, much better. I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. Maybe sent a wee tweet or two as well, so that's good. Uh, if you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. To get all the details, perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits and more, available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm.
0: We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers. They are Norman Lau, Michael Huter. Thomas Appel Chris Tribuzio Jim McMahon Justin Ozer and Joe Keegan Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey
1: So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey
0: Great joy and gratitude
1: I'd like to introduce you to Henry Don't ask